Hello, I'm Ian from Scholar Green. And I'm Mark from Stuttgart. And this is the Potter's Podcast. Here we go again, Corona's still affecting everybody, so we've got another show with an interview this time. People will know him, Stoke City, Harvey, Stoke City FC. Regularly on YouTube, and seeing uh, another Stoke can <laughs> see what he's got to say for himself. Well, that's what I mean. It's it's an interesting one, because we, we do watch his show before we do his podcast, because we, we see the in-depth look he looks into, and he actually tells us what time the goals were scored, which is always yeah. interesting. Yeah, because uh, it's not something I ever really look at when... Uh, the game. Oh yeah, no, yeah, never. You never notice unless you're actually looking at the pages. So how are you doing at the moment with, with Corona attacking everywhere? I'm just tired of not being able to do anything. You can't buy anything. You can't go anywhere. It's just horrendous. I know uh, FIFA's getting some battering at the moment. I can tell you. Yeah. It is. It's the only thing that reminds me of football. But another thing we've got to do, have your toilet roll challenge. What is that? <laughs> That's where you you do kick-me-ups with a toilet roll. Well, you've just given me something else to put on my diary for the day, so that'll kill three minutes. Well, you're going to have to get somebody film you, and then we'll put it up on the Parts Podcast page. That's it, then. Get one out, of me, out the bathroom. But you've got to do it first time as well, that's the rule. So if, you, if you're kicking it spins off, you, you, look a, you look a fool. Can you wear football boots? If you've got any football boots, I haven't had football boots since, well, back in the day. That's all I can say. Now you just sounded dead old. Uh, well, I am. I'm 33 now. I'm not, I'm not 24 anymore. I'm an old man now. That's why I've got driving gloves and a pair of slippers. The other thing I will say is Facebook's been absolute gold for stuff people are out on there. Oh, you, I know. You can, tell, you can tell people are bored. You really can yeah. tell people are really bored and don't know what to do with themselves. But it's brilliant. There's absolutely brilliant stuff on there. Yeah, like I say, we'll have to start doing a bit more for the Potters podcast. And I mean, you put two goals up, didn't you, this morning on the on the Potters page? Yeah, I watched, I watched the semi final, which cheered me up no end. Um, just reminds you, now it's the times, doesn't it? So, and, uh, Man City. Oh, the Peter Crouch won the goal. Yeah, no, the the one where Adi Bayor got sent off for an elbow. Oh, that one. Yeah, it's when Delap was still playing for us. Rory Delap. Uh, there's been quite a few Stoke bets been put on just lately. I do find it quite interesting that we still really haven't heard anything about this training camp. Nothing's changed on that front, has it, at the moment? But What's that about, if people don't know? Uh, well, it's obviously they try and get the EFL and the Premier League to finish the season behind closed doors in, in a sort of training camp scenario sort of thing and I think they're just going to get games out of the way day in day out until they're gone which is probably the only way it's going to be done now and to keep everybody up no I think um, it should be voided now because no, you're risking the players then aren't you you're risking spread if you're putting them out there yeah. like that it's it's a bit of a gamble really for me that maybe they should do that thing that I saw years ago I mean for the older listeners I remember um, having a well it was on a on a VHS tape there was a video of in the early 1900s it was, I think it was football hell with Nick Hancock when a game was postponed they had a piano with a goal each end of it and then where they, when they pressed the keys there was like flaps that come up for it the ball and they'd have one player on one side one player on the other and they'd play it for like 45 minutes and then whoever scored the most goals won <laughs> I don't think you do that modern days can you? <laughs> How did you win the title? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> we played just we, quicker on the keys. <laughs> because if you get into that stage, you might as well bring Sabutio back. Just finish it on FIFA. Each captain has no, to play FIFA. No, I think it should be Sabutio, I do. Get, get Sabutio boards back out. Yeah, well, a lot of the younger listeners won't even know what one of them is, really. <laughs> well, Sabutio was basically little tiny plastic men on a pitch. A little, well, it was a... I don't know what you call it. It's like a little thing with a goal on it, and you have to flip. They were basically weebles, weren't they? Yeah, it was basically an original. It was like the original FIFA back in the sixties, seventies, eighties. Sabutio was what people used to play instead of FIFA, because of course FIFA didn't exist. So people used to love a bit of a Sabutio. Me dad had a Sabutio in the loft. I did. I used to have Sabutio. I still got them somewhere. I had the Stoke kit or one of them. My dad, my dad came home dead happy. Guess what I've got, Ian? What is it? What, what, what? I've got Stoke in Sabutio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when it got to the early 90s, my dad had one with the, the, the captain's armband on, I think, of an England England player, and he was over the moon about it, and he was showing me sort of old ones where they didn't even have names on them. They were just red or white or blue. Or... Yeah, it's a different time, basically. 
Well, a bit of Sabutio. Well, I suppose so, yeah. And everyone loves a bit of Sabutio, don't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. Where it used to be back in the old days. Yeah, save the planet and all that. Well, that's it, yeah. Well, I'll let you go then if, you, if you're if you got to do your toilet roll challenge. I expect that to be up on the Potter's page before the end of the day. Well, I'm going to have to get uh, training first. I'm going to start with a little tennis ball or a ping pong ball. Oh, but that won't, that won't help you, because remember, it's not exactly an oval ball, is it, a toilet roll? So, you're best off practising with a toilet roll and giving it a good go. I'll, uh, I'll give it a go, mate. I think you should too, and all. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow, the toilet roll challenge. It's going to be hard for me <laughs> filming, because I'm on my own. So, <laughs> But I'll give it a go. Well, you've only got to do it once, haven't you? Because you'll only manage it once. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be doing it for half an hour, I will. <laughs> The, the Maradona toilet roll. Right, so right, cheers for that, mate. I'll speak to you no soon. Worries. See you in a bit. So yes, we've got a fantastic guest lined up. If you've not seen his stuff on YouTube, which is of course Harvey's Stoke City FC Harvey. He does an, a brilliant, a fantastic run through of games after they've happened, and we're going to find out how and why he does it. So hello, Harvey. I'm um, hi. You alright, mate? I'm not bad. Are you? How are you coping with all this isolation, Lark? It's hard. No football, but we'll get through it. I know, it's tough though, isn't it, at the moment? Right, you've obviously got your own page. You're, you're on YouTube and everything. Harvey Stoke City FC, isn't it? I just want to know how it all began. Where did it all start for you as a Stoke fan? As a fan or as a vlogger? Well, as a fan, mainly first. We'll get into that after. Well, it was my uncle. He bought me a Stoke shirt for my fifth birthday I want to say oh, yeah. um, my family aren't really a football family but I got that and the, the decision was either them or uh, Stoke or Chelsea because they were the only two football teams I'd heard of at the time uh, luckily I picked Stoke um, and yeah Chelsea? There, really. <laughs> where did Chelsea Chelsea appear from? I think it was just people at school talking about like John Terry Frank Lampard oh so it was like favourite players and stuff when you were growing up well they weren't my favourite players but they were just names mentioned around the, the playground, whatever. Oh, right, OK. When you grew up, uh, who was the player that you kind of loved watching Stoke, who kept you going and the person who inspired you? Being a goalkeeper is obviously Asmir Begovic. I didn't properly get into football till 2012, so obviously that was Asmir Begovic's reign. I was gutted when he left, but he was like the first footballer I idolised. He was a special keeper, didn't he? He never made a mistake as well, Begovic, from what I remember. He was so consistent. Mm. I'll be honest, he's the best I've seen at Stoke, and I've been going since the 90s, and without a question, the, the, the thing is with Begovic, he was so consistent, there was no no change about it really, he always, he always did his job right, no question about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I met him at the Begovic and Banks evening, Oh yeah. and he, he came across really, really well, really, really nice. A nice bloke. Yeah. So what was that like meeting him, was he, <laughs> but that's a bit of an experience, weird. isn't he? Yeah. Um, I've always been, I'd always been quite small, so obviously the, the big eye difference and just to have him in front of me was just like, wow, <laughs> you know, because I'd idolised him for two years before, Yeah. so it was very surreal having, me, having him that close to me. I can understand really, I mean, if I if I saw James O'Connor, I'd probably melt, even though I'm a 33 year old bloke now, I'd, I'd probably melt if I saw James O'Connor, wouldn't know what to say, wouldn't know what to do, it's quite, it's mm. quite a strange feeling when you meet your idols. Yeah, yeah. it is. So what was Gordon Banks like? Did you get to have a conversation with Banks? Um, I think I was just more in awe at Begovic really, because I was probably 11 at the time. Yeah. But obviously I heard about Gordon Banks and all the 72 League Cup and stuff. I asked Banks here a couple of questions like what's it like to win the World Cup and all that. I didn't really speak to Banks too much. Well you see, like I say, I wish I had that chance to meet him. I've been in a room with him, but you're talking mm. 90s when I used to be able to get in the box when I was younger. and. I can remember being around him, but I was too shy to speak to him. I had to keep getting my dad go up and get the autographs of Steen and storage and all that. Lot. I was too terrified to go up and speak. It's quite a scary time, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, so what made you think about being a goalkeeper? Why, why was goalkeeper something special to you? I, I'm not, I don't actually know. It's just it's where you get put one week and just stuck at it, really. Was I'm, it? Not really I'm not really much running around. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like just to sit back and watch a game I don't like to be properly involved in it so that's why outfield doesn't really suit me yeah so who was your favourite outplayer growing up outfield player as I was starting to get into Stoke it was Kenwin Jones Kenwin 
don't know that. why. Just, just probably because of the celebration. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's amazing in the air. I've, I've not seen a player as good as him in the air. If he went yeah. to the box and it was on his head, it was a goal. Simple as that. Not, not a, yeah. didn't have the best feet, but in the air, there was no question. No question at all. Yeah. Right, so we'll go into it now. So you've got your own YouTube vlog thing. I mean, how did that start? Where did that begin? From the very, very beginning, there's a YouTuber called Spencer FC. And in their final season at the Boiling Ground, I would have been 15, 16 season. Yeah. He did a vlog of every home game. And I was about 12 at the time, so that's when you sort of you know, watching the FIFA YouTubers and stuff. And yeah, I just really enjoyed watching them. And then the season after that, I noticed Bear Pit doing something. So that kind of put me off a little bit, but got my first season ticket in the 17-18 season, the relegation season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was, I was just walking, good me, I go with my granddad and we walk up the canal. And I was just walking up there thinking, why don't I just vlog this? Just... You know, see if I enjoy it, and then if I enjoy it, stick at it. Well, why did the bear pit put you off? What was the, what was the reason behind well, that? It was just more. Oh, there's already someone doing it. I've got to be really, really creative. And back then, I didn't really do YouTube much, so it was a bit. You know, I didn't really know what to do. Um, but people enjoyed watching my vlogs, so I've obviously made the right decision. Oh, it's a good vlog. The thing is, with me and my mate Mark, who do the Potter's podcast, we always watch your show just before we get on for a bit of an in-depth mm. look. And I always sit there thinking to myself, that must be a scary thing, doing that. It must be a scary thing. Well, when I first started doing, like, because you can't film the pitch because of copyright. Yeah. So when I first started doing the reaction vlogs, it was very, very scary. And I didn't want to hold my phone up too high. So I had it on my lap. But then I got a load of comments saying, move your camera up, it looks like the channel tunnel. Because <laughs> um, obviously it was looking up my nostrils. So I've learned to hold it a bit higher up and everything. But the people around me, really good about it. They never kick off touch wood, they never will. And I know there's people that probably wouldn't uh, want me to sit there when doing a commentary over the game. Well, has anybody ever said anything to you or something like that? Um, yeah, Derby away, there was someone that didn't quite take to it, so me and my mate had to move a couple of rows back. Oh, right, so they were a bit funny with you, really? It was a bit funny, yeah. Wasn't the best night out anyway, so... Oh, was that the 4-0 defeat? Yeah. Yeah, that was there, it was my birthday, that was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a good night, that wasn't. But we went out in Derby after, and it ended up being an okay night. So you've been doing it for a while now, what would you say was the best one you've done, the one that you enjoyed the most? Best vlog in terms of it's a personal favourite I'd probably go for Blackburn away last year yeah why was that it was the first away day on the channel and it was just a really good atmosphere Etterbo scored a, a really nice sunny day can't believe it's nearly a year ago <laughs> I know it's a year ago next Monday uh, I've always said I'd do anything to relive that day I know some people might say it wasn't the best away day in the world but it was certainly up there for me well, as long as it's for you, that's that's the thing that matters, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, things like them, like vlogs and the people who, who get upset and that and, and don't want you to do it, it's, well, I just think it's pathetic at times. I mean, somebody's, they, they've bought that seat themselves, it's up to them. I'd just ignore them yeah. if I were you and just, just carry on, as long as they aren't saying Yeah, I do. It's, realistically, if people have a problem, I could, there's always a, an empty seat somewhere. Yeah, especially at home, there's plenty of empty seats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know um, what you mean there. Yeah, away days are a little bit different because obviously you, it's a bit of a free for all. You, you get your seat and you do whatever. But again, people move up to the back or whatever, and there's always an empty seat or an empty, you know, couple of, well, I'll say a couple of metres. Like, there's always a spot next to someone. Well, I've, I've noticed also on your more recent shows, you've started to get a few uh, famous Stoke faces on you on your vlog yeah. how, did, how did that come along are you talking pretty much interviews yeah you're like your Nigel Johnson and your Anne Smith um, well I've changed my match day routine um, because I just enjoy going early now um, I go at about 12 o'clock yeah and just stand by the players entrance for a bit um, it's, it's that simple I've got a couple of mates that um, stand there anyway um, and I say I see Matt Sandos or Nigel Johnson I'll just have to go up to him and ask if I can do a, 
quick score prediction. And are you approachable with it? So have you ever been a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. They, every time I've approached them, they've, they've always said yes. Oh, that's good. Awesome, isn't it? Mm. So who's who's your favourite one out of your pre-match tour? Everyone that I've interviewed's been really, really good. Everyone's always said yeah, I'll come on the channel. Always made really good points. That's good, isn't it? Why why do you do this uh, anyway? Is there anything in, in the future you're thinking of doing through these vlogs? At, at first I just did it for a bit of fun, didn't really take it too seriously, but then over the last year or so I've seen pretty good potential with it and picks up other people have seen, you know, you've got a big future ahead of you. So I just thought if we take this a bit more seriously, you know, take my time on other little bits. So I don't know if you've seen in the recent vlogs I've started doing a lot of more editing stuff pre-match so you've got um, like sometimes i'll just put a few uh, cinematic shots in with a bit of music and then you know when the players come out yeah because i do a, a media course at college and we were learning different editing techniques one week and we had a match that saturday so i thought i'll give it a go in, in the actual vlog and people were impressed by it at the start because my mates were like oh you need to cut down the like the walkout section kind of thing and I think it has worked well that's what it is well, I mean at the end of the day none of us are professionals are we, we we're, no. we're here to learn and move forward I mean if you listen to the first podcast we did which was on a different service at the time Anchor they were absolutely terrible because we, we couldn't edit so you're basically trying to fit everything in and not make any mistakes and yeah. the amount of ums and ands that were, <laughs> that were in it were, were embarrassing really like I say, nothing's professional on these, but what do you, how do you feel about the social side now? Because there's quite a lot of stuff coming up. You, you've got your, yourself, there's Pounds, or Poons, or whatever you pronounce it. Mm. He does stuff himself. You've got Bear Pit, you've got Stoke Loud and Proud, you've got Wizards of Drivel, you've got YYY. How do you feel yeah. it's the social media side's coming in with the Stoke fans? Some of the content's really, really good. Um, I mean, I've listened to every YYY file whether that be at home or at college whilst I'm working. Uh, I've listened to a couple of Wizards podcasts as well. I've listened to yourself. Vlogs-wise, I don't tend to watch too much Stoke. I watch uh, Pones and Sam Cam. You know, Sam? Oh, I haven't seen that one. What's that? Is that another Stoke one? Yeah, um, I watch them just because I get on with them and stuff and just see what they're doing, you know. Um, but I tend to watch more vloggers from other teams, um on YouTube but if you're talking Twitter Instagram it's all, st all stoke really yeah I get what you mean so who's your favourite one who's the who's the person you like to go and watch even if it's another team or stoke who's the um, vlogger that you like the most Villa on tour he's really good he's a, obviously a Villa vlogger um, yeah you can just you watch one video and you just binge watching for a good hour and a half easily really good content well, what makes him good? What's what's the in and out of him? He, I'm not sure. It's just, I think it's just the way he makes his videos and how he comes across almost. Because it's just him and his mates just go watch the football. You know, you think there's nothing really much to it, but then you actually watch one of the videos and they are really funny. That's good. Isn't it? It's always good when you're watching other people's like this one. It's um, there's one I always watch, uh, I think he's a Chelsea one. I'm not sure, I can't remember his name, but he, he just pops up every now and again because I've watched him. And uh, I find him interesting. But how do you feel about the Arsenal thing, Arsenal Fan TV? How, what's your take on that? I'm not much for the fan cams outside the ground. No, I'm not. I think it's, I think it's good, good stuff. Robbie has done really well to get it where he is. Um, but not much for fan cams outside the ground. I know. It kind of sounds hypocritical because I do interviews outside the ground, but I don't. I don't ask for a overly controversial opinion for oh, however many views. Well, I'm not about that. I just. I think there's I a difference. Yeah, I think there's like a big difference between before and after, isn't there? Really, like score predictions is just somebody's opinion, isn't it? And I know, I know yeah. the the after match ones are, but I think sometimes they are just character. They're just characters, characters, aren't they? That. He just puts yeah. in because he knows they'll get tweets because they'll say something silly. And I think at times, like, I, I do love watching it, but I only like watching Arsenal fan TV when they lose. Yes. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I, I don't know about yourself, but I'm not a fan of Arsenal at all as a football club. I've been no. brought up to not like them. I don't like them because of the Shawcross incident and many other things. And uh, I just don't. 
I just don't see the point of it. I, I'm so glad though, I don't know what your opinion is, but I'm, I'm glad that Stoke doesn't have one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I did think about doing it at one point, Ooh. but the idea went very quickly. I just didn't want to do it, didn't feel comfortable, and the only people that I'd have on is people who I can trust. And so I'm not going to... I'm yeah. not going to stand outside the booth and end, you know, approaching anyone I see. Uh-huh. I'd, you know, get a couple of your mates who aren't going to say stupid stuff and just going to be honest, make good points, but I didn't really want to do it. Yeah, I could understand that. I could really understand that. I mean, sometimes with social media, you have to be you have to be careful. I know it gets clicks and I know it gets watches, but it becomes a bit of a joke at times. And I think that's why he does get so much stick, Robbie. And the thing is, Robbie does seem an arse bloke, but yeah, he will get stick for something like that. It's it's always going to happen. It's, but, but he's done really well for himself. Let's be honest, he's been on that's TV, been, yeah. on Talk Sports, Sky. I mean, I know some of the Stoke fans. I think a couple of the Wizards and I think Elliot has and. I think sometimes it is all right to get on TV, but I try and avoid screen stuff at the moment. I mean, the first podcast we ever did is up on YouTube, and I sit back and watch it and think, what the hell was I doing there? I mean, there's yeah. got to be a bravery, and it's like yourself doing, getting yourself up on YouTube. I mean, have you had any negative criticism that you've sort of had to, you know, kind of get rid of, just sort of wipe it off your shoulder or anything? It depends what the result is, really. If I've said something earlier on in the vlog, when we won the lot, and then we go and lose. Sometimes they get called delusional or whatever. Um, Bristol City, that was uh, entertaining, let's just say. Um, comment section, yeah. You know, the, I think it was their second goal. Yeah. The one that went to goal and technology. At first, I didn't think it was in. Yeah. So I was like, Oh yeah, I love goal and technology, me. And then yeah, obviously the goal gets given. So then I was just like, like brilliant. Um, and then I had a load of Bristol City fans giving me stick. And then I'd love that. The Bristol, <laughs> the, Bristol the Bristol City admin the next day because I think they had a GoPro in the stands um, and just filming the fans' reaction. Um, I don't know if it was aimed at me, but it, it kind of come across that way. And they just said, oh, we love Goalland technology. I, 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 that, I, I found that funny more than <laughs> the, the comments. Yeah, that's what I mean. I love it when you get criticism from other fans, because it's like, it's just it's just jealousy, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? Because <laughs> mm. they've lost or whatever, and, you know, it's one of them. So you're going to see be doing it for the foreseeable future? Do you reckon it's going to be something you're going to be doing every time you go Stoke? Obviously, we're not... Well, there's nothing to vlog at the moment. Um, I really am missing it. I just can't wait for next season. I'm definitely going to be doing it through next season. Um, and then the season after, maybe. It, it depends what happens. Because if, if the EFL say something, oh, you can't film inside the ground or whatever, obviously it's going to have to stop. But if, if I can do it for as long as I can, then I will do I think you can, to be honest, as long as you don't film the actual footage of the pitch. I, th- I think you can, because yeah. it's inside a stand, isn't it? Because I know you, you mo- most of the time it's on your face, isn't it? And then yeah. you have the odd turn round and stuff like that. But I can't see him blocking, because I think it's just cruel on people if they did. Because obviously you mm. enjoy it, don't you? So I, I can't see him doing stuff like that. And if they do, they're just being fools, really, because they're just denying content. I mean, what do you think of Stokes' content at the moment? If are you thinking that the same as me that it's it's just a waste of time with the admin or with Stoke's social media side the things they put up I mean I've, I've not been impressed with it since it began to be honest um, I think there's, there's potential there there really is potential um, I think it's going to be more well received if we're doing well so maybe if we turn it around next season, I could maybe see them doing a few more things here and there. Um, but obviously, around Christmas time, if they put the Secret Santa out, you know, in the position we were, I don't think it'd be as well received. But that, those are the kind of things I want to see. I can remember a video a while ago on the Sky, uh, the, Sky the Stoke YouTube channel, and it was when Bojan and uh, Monyezi were playing... Uh, I think yes, Guess who? Connect, yeah, guess who? That was it. I keep saying Connect Four, but yeah. I, I think that's a, an interesting thing. I know it's like a little bit silly, but just for something to watch, it's, it's getting to know the personality of the players, yeah. and that's what I've always wanted from a social media fan. 
well a fan channel for that is, is to get to it to see what the players are like out behind closed doors. And yeah, I, and I, I mean, go on. I mean, they've done some really, really good stuff in the past, and you know, you kind of take it a bit for granted. But now you haven't got it, and it's just like, oh man, I could really do with seeing a couple of players playing a game of guess who or connect four or. Yeah. I mean, there's some other there's other clubs that do some really really good stuff. I mean, Liverpool are really good at it. Obviously, they're doing well and they've got a massive global audience. But you know, you've got players doing silly things uh, like most weeks, and it is quite funny. Yeah, I can remember the Tottenham one for Halloween where they did the scare tactic thing. That that that's the one I always think about with good social media when they do things like that. When I think it was Carl Walker at the time was hiding away and then jumping out on the players and terrifying them. Uh, <laughs> I can remember Eric Dyer nearly melted <laughs> when he popped out on him. And I think stuff like that's what we needed really. I mean, I, I don't mind interviews, but when it's like interviews of players that are there now, they they sort of they're sort of tied to what they can say it's like oh well the man yeah. is doing this the man and it becomes a bit bit stale and it's something that you're not really that bothered about anyway but I do like it when they interview old players I, I do like that because it's like if they bring someone like Wayne Thomas in or I know these are players you won't know or like Overson and all these other players that you know that's interesting to me because it's it's a time gone by and they can say what they feel because it's the past but with like modern players, I think it just doesn't work. And sometimes with modern, you've got to do things like that, like little ideas to keep people entertained and just see how they are. I can remember with Soccer AM when Arnie did that corner challenge. Yeah. And he got both of them in, didn't he? And I think to myself, well, why don't they just take take advantage of that and just do their own version on yeah. on the fan channel? Because Charlie Adam was the thing that made me laugh and that how we kept taking the mick out of him yeah. <laughs> it sort of just made it for me and I think that's where the club just needs to go I mean another thing I wanted to ask you because we'll get to more, towards now the actual pitch now how do you think the club has been ran over the years have you been happy with the way the board's been ran in, the, in that kind of extent not on the pitch behind closed doors how do you think they're, are you happy with what's been going on they're putting money into the club um I think the money could have been spent better than it has been. Um, obviously, you look at the amount of money we've, we've, well, we are going to lose this summer, next summer. You look at Imbula, Wimmer, Berrigino, and Die. I, I could feel and is going to go out the door in the summer. Um, and obviously, that, that money could have been put elsewhere into other players. You know, we could have signed players like Axel Witzel. Yeah, they are. You know, we could have signed him, but we signed him Buller instead. Just little things like that. Um, but I can't fault the coach family. They've put money in, and obviously in these tough times, they've guaranteed everyone the wages. Which, you know, I know a lot of owners are doing it, but you know, you've got certain owners that aren't doing it. Yeah, Mike Ashley mainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about that though. Yeah, the coach family just be just before the lockdown started and the football stopped there was a fan meeting with um, John Coates Tony Scholes and Michael O'Neill yes I was there and were you there well, yeah I was there <laughs> I, I, did you meet him did you get have a bit of a chat with him I, I, I didn't manage to get close to him no because they, they told people we can't have selfies or anything because of obviously the coronavirus uh, oh they just threw that out did they <laughs> We can be in a room with them. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I, I put a question in. It was it was over uh, Facebook, and I put a question in about what do you feel about a chairman or a director of football? And it's something I've been very vocal about in, in, for, for me because I think the problem is like I put the, we put the question in. Of course, John Coates completely flat out said no. We've we've been running we run things this way and all this stuff and. And I thought to myself, he goes, yes, we've made mistakes. And I thought, but yes, but your mistakes, because you don't really know what you're doing and you haven't got a football man up there. Those mistakes have taken us from ninth in the Premier League to bottom of the Championship. And I think to myself, like what I wanted, something I've been wanting to happen at Stoke is the Coates family step back and just become owners. And they follow the same model as a Wolves or a Watford or a Brighton or even a Leeds now, where... 
the chair, a chairman's been brought in to run the club properly. People who, who've got experience and know how to run a football club. And I don't know what you feel about that, but that's something I've been wanting for a while now, probably two, three seasons I've been asking for. Mm. What would you I mean, feel of that? Um, I mean, it's an idea, isn't it? But obviously we, we got the, the three ninth place finishes under the way we've been owned last couple of years and I think the only reason why we got relegated was just mistakes made in the transfer market but the thing is every decision comes from the top don't it at the end of the day well yeah and that's that's the thing with it I mean it's like for example you you, you brought up Alex Witzel and you got Alex Witzel who we, I think we could have got for 23 million but because we wouldn't pay 23 million we ended up with Gianni and Bueller which for me was always a panic buy and a lot, I can remember the board sort of putting all the blame on Mark Hughes saying, well, he wanted him. And it's like, well, not really, because he was chasing Witzel for the entire window. And then you pulled out, Zenit pulled out because he weren't going to pay the correct money. And that's always been my kind of little myth with the, with the owners, that it seems like for the sake of five million, we've missed out on his number one target. And I think that's been a problem with us for a long time, Harry Maguire, Robertson, Witzel, Smolov, if you remember him, the Russian striker that was on fire. And I've, I've heard people saying we were wanting to buy the Licht. See, that's what I mean. I know but there was also Pastore as well. Don't, don't t just take it with a pinch of salt because I don't know how true it was. Um, but apparently it was, you know, when we were on about signing Maguire. Yeah. It was either Maguire, the Licht for a couple of million, and uh, Zuma on loan. At the end, we ended up with Zuma on loan. You see, that's unforgivable for me, that is. <laughs> it's just unforgivable. And for me, because it, like, the thing that worries me, I don't know if it worries you, but I, I worry that if we do go back to the Premier League, are these, are these mistakes for a couple of million going to cost us in the Premier League again? Because it, it, yeah. it cost us last season, didn't it, with Ben Osborne, a player that we were really crying out for, but for the sake of, what was it, a million, half a million, we, we went for James McLean. We wanted uh, Matt Clark from Portsmouth. Yeah. And they wanted a couple of extra mil, so we went for Danny Bart. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's this it, what worries me. It, it does annoy me a little bit. Um, but obviously they're at the top, they're going to make the decisions, you know, they're not going to ask us to, oh, we want to sign because we know nothing in theory. Well, yeah, I know in theory we don't. I mean, it's, I know it's easier to say in that on, pa on paper, but, you know, it's it's how it's done. Right, we'll go into the tough questions now. Either question time, what I ask everybody. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right, so who is... No, sorry. Your favourite moment. This Now, this, people keep getting confused that it's a favourite match. It's not the favourite match. Favourite moment, a time when you've gone nuts or something you've appreciated more than anything, like a, a moment. What was your favourite ever moment as being a Stoke fan? Butler's penalty save against Harvard. Oh, Jen Chelsea in the Cup. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. I was there for that. I've got to be honest, I lost me. I lost it then as well. I lost it, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the first time I'd ever gone bonkers at a football match. It's trying to explain the the euphoria you felt when that went when he saved that during the penalty shootout I was hiding behind my programme so I think we had like Mark Wilson going up and taking penalties and stuff um, yeah I was just hiding behind my programme and obviously yeah, there was cheering and everything and that was the what I want I probably watched about three four penalties that whole shootout yeah um, but I watched Butler at Hazard's penalty um, and just lost it completely. I know, it's a great feeling. I like asking this question because everybody's got a different response. Uh, absolutely everybody. Because I thought to myself originally when I was going to do it, I was going to ask what's everyone's favourite match. But then I thought if you ask everybody's favourite match, most of the time it's going to be the same one. Bolton, yeah. Villa, Liverpool 6-1. Um, I don't know others like that, and it, it always seems to be the same ones. But like favourite moments, I think it's I think I think it's just more interesting because everyone's got a different one. 
So that's definitely up your top as a favourite ever moment, is it? Yeah, I mean, back then I didn't go to too many games. I probably went about two a season. Um, and the fact that we've just beaten Chelsea, I know they were having a dreadful season that season, but in my head, we've just beat Chelsea. I know, it's an incredible and day that was. If you are, if you are like 12 years old as, as I was at the time, you know, to think that, you know, you know, pretty big. Yeah. So you're out now to the opposite end of the scale. What would you class as your worst ever moment? Um, Van Arnold's goal. Uh, Palace at home. Oh, the one that put us down. The one that put us down. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't to go. I, 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 I was such an horrible time at the time once because I, I think I think when Mark Hughes was sat, there was like a little bit of euphoria, wasn't there? Because it was probably a year and a half too late. But I, I think. Yeah, that, I think. Yeah. I think personally, I think we should have got rid this summer before. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's when I thought a year before the actual summer that he, that he kept again. I've, I'd, I'd never understood why he had so long as manager. I really don't, because it fell apart before that. I think I think we should have got rid of him summer two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, because that's when we had the record, didn't we? Those three straight or four straight four nil defeats, and I thought he's lost it now here, and I just couldn't it believe was, he got two more summers. So we, it was just off the back of that Arsenal 4-1, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, not really happy with him being in the job, but if he if he can turn it around, you know, I'll back him. And obviously we beat Arsenal, drew against United, some really positive results there. Then we had all them 4-0s throughout the autumn, winter months. Um, I think it was about October time when we lost to Bournemouth. Yeah. That's when I. That's when I turned. Yeah, that, that was... I, I never. I, I'm never normally for, one for calling for a manager's head. I, I mean, I back Lambert. I wanted him to stay. Um, Rowett, I wanted out when we drew to Bolton. Um, just because of what he said about fans. Yeah, he he, um, he shot himself into Rowett. That yeah. was his problem. Because he lost a lot of people that day. Because to be honest with Gary Rowett, I thought he was doing a decent job because the, the the absolute rot we had, I thought he was doing a good job just to stop us losing. To be honest, yeah. especially the bad feelings around the club. And but I think there was too much. I, I agree with him at times with what he said about Bowian. I think the problem is with Bowian is that he wasn't consistent enough. He did. He didn't. He, he he was brilliant for three months, like probably the best technical player I've seen apart from Hoekstra for about three months and. But then he, he never recovered, did he? Let's be honest, Bojan. And no, I think it, it was too it, much pressure, wasn't there, at times? Yeah, it was a shame because we had such a good play on our hands. I know we were just um, hoping, weren't we? He clicked back in, and it, it just never did. I mean, I backed Jones going on about managers. I backed Jones pretty much till he was sacked. So I think. If we'd have lost to Swansea, I probably would have been Jones out, but then we got some really positive performance, positive results. I was like, if we can keep this up, we can, he can stay. Yeah, that Millwall, was a push on. Millwall's always a tough place to go. Chef Wednesday, another mistake cost us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Right, so we'll try to pick it back up again now. So, uh, right, who is your favourite ever player? Favourite ever player? Favourite ever player, yeah. Not about skill or whatever the person that you like the most. He might be Michael Kitely for all I know, but it's just just your favourite ever player. Uh, probably have to go for Shakiri. Shakiri. Yeah. Good shout. When I when I first heard we'd signed him because I wasn't into Twitter, Instagram, or anything, so I'd heard about it actually when we played Norwich. So I didn't, didn't tend to look on Sentinel back then. I was a bit young for it. Um, then obviously I did them say you know Shakiri um, in the stands because he had a suspension I was like wow <laughs> you know because you did him through FIFA and everything yeah um, it was just yeah I really enjoyed watching him me and my granddad always always loved watching him uh, always gutted when he left um, but it was nice the last match I got to watch him he scored that free kick Oh yeah, that yeah, that deflected one. It was a great free kick. Yeah. 
sort of just give us that little bit of hope that something could happen and exactly I mean I got it on film as well so that's something that's still on the camera of yeah it's great huh? yeah it's great it's a great thing put up let's put it up on the potter's page we've got a group page where we do stuff like that you'll have to put it up if you've still got it yeah I've still got it yeah Right, so here's the one that everybody struggles with. Everybody struggles with this for some reason, and it's the worst ever player. Um, you can have horrible mentions, of course, but I want to know who your worst is, the one you really didn't like. To be fair, if you play for Stoke and you, you, know, you do a good job, you're probably going to get my back in. Um, Oh. See, it's a tough and everybody struggles I'm with it. I'm struggling with this one. Everybody struggles with this. That's just yeah. why I love it to the put it in. A lot of players aren't great, but they slip under the radar, don't they? Because they either leave or, or you know you forget about them. Or they don't play. <laughs> um, I'll probably go for Jakob Howgard. Oh, Howgard, that's a good shout. That's a good shout, that is, yeah. Every time I've seen him, he's, he's conceded some really, really easy goals. Yeah, he was poor. I know, I know I'm not a professional goalkeeper, but you'd expect a, a goalkeeper, if you're playing for a Premier League club, you'd expect, you know. And I saw him in a couple of under 23s games, and again, he wasn't that great. He's, he's one of them that I never understood why we signed. Because he wasn't a young mm. lad. I think he was 24 when he came. So he wasn't really something that you could shove in the youth team and expect something. And then when he came in, because there was all this praise, because I think they won the title, didn't they, in Norway or wherever he was before, mm. and you were expecting something from him, you were expecting this player that, I mean, you were talking to Schmeichel, I mean, he, let's be honest, he couldn't lace his boots. And I agree yeah. with you, I, th I think he was just such a poor goalkeeper. I mean, he had loan spells where he, he ended up losing his place. He, he was a bad goalkeeper, I will agree with you on that. He wasn't very good at all. And another one that, for me, should have been gone after that first season, should have gone right, to the working, we'll have to let you go. Mm. I mean, we only had to play him in the last couple of games in the Premier League, but then Kenny got dropped for Shea Given. I know, for he wasn't really that much better, I don't think. I know he was about 56, wasn't he, when he was playing for he was, What I noticed about Shea Given, he always came very, very far off his line. And you could tell his age as well because I mean there was a goalkeeper that was a legendary goalkeeper really legendary goalkeeper who came Stoke and I was dead excited there was Neville Southall and um, yeah. I remember he came and he couldn't he, he, he was when he was diving for the ball he was literally getting on his knee and then jumping for it because he just he just couldn't get down and Shea Given reminded me that he was just done I mean had Butler not got that injury we'd have finished in Europe easily. I think we, we didn't have too it? tough of a running, did we? No, no, we, we toughest couple of games with Man City, Tottenham, really. I think. Yeah, it was. It was I can recall it. It was. It was always a thing that always got me. I thought, I don't know why we're bringing in these, well, unheard of in guards and an old man in, in Che Given. We dropped on lucky, of course, with Lee Grant, but. But, uh, you know, he was an old man. I think he was 33 when he came to the club. I, I just think sometimes, oh, this is the problem of not having somebody upstairs that can help out with this and go, oh, don't get him, he's done. Let's get this lad mm. instead. And I just, I, 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 I really didn't like how John Coates just instantly sort of said, no, we don't want any of that. And I've, I'm a bit miffed about it. I'm, obviously, you can tell I'm a bit miffed about it. But anyway, I, think, about, you, I think the signing, so if we're looking more recent, this window just gone I think have been really good you know there's a player there in Tashan yes it took him 20 or so minutes to get into the game but that's expected you know he's been playing under 23's football for the last couple of years and then you've got Jordan Thompson who's done really well as well yeah I agree with you yeah. I've been impressed with what Michael O'Neill's done so far and I think the thing is with Michael O'Neill he is reminding me so far of a Tony Pulis he is reminding yeah. me of that I think, he, I think we have got finally the right man. And the thing is with Stoke, I think it's not about the right man, it's the right man under the Coates family. Because I've said yeah. that for years, because they've had so many bad managers over the first stint, especially Chris Kamari, Alan Ball. I mean, the list goes on. You probably won't know who these are, but if you ask your uncle, he'll tell you. But I think this time they've got the right man who will suit 
the coach family, which is for me the most important because, of course, they're, they're so stubborn, they're not going to change things, are they? So, no. I think we have got the right man. I mean, it could all, it could all go pear shaped next season. Um, but I feel more confident now than I did under Mason Jones last year. Yeah, I think this is the first time I've been confident for a while, to be honest. Mm. Probably six seasons, five, a long time ago, since Mark Hughes's, before Mark Hughes sort of felt started falling apart. This is the first time in years that I've been a little bit more confidence has come into me. Yeah, I mean, I was conf- confident under Rowett, but I think everyone was, you know. I, I don't think you could Just coming down with the big boys, you know, <laughs> in the league and didn't work out. Yeah, I think it was a shame for Rowett and I think it was a shame for Jones but I think there were two managers that didn't suit the owners and I think that's that's just part no. of it really Right, so we'll move into the next part of it which is who is your favourite ever manager? Favourite ever manager? Yeah um, it's, it's out of Tony Pulis and Mark Hughes who would you pick? Mark Hughes, Mark Hughes brought us some really good moments, you know, got us to the highest we've ever been um, in the Premier League. But then you look at Tony Pulis, you know, we built it all um, and over a fairly long period of time and got us to Europe, yeah. got us to Wembley, yeah. got us promoted. Um, and of course, you've got Waddo as well. Oh, Waddo's the best ever, yeah. Yeah, without a question. Um, I probably have to go for Tony Pulis. Yep, it's mine as well. The football, the football wasn't, you know, great, but we got the job done, you know. And what could have been if we'd have picked a strong side at Valencia? I, th- I think what happened there, I mean, a lot. Of, there's quite a few people who've, who've said that about that. And I think he would have done if we'd got a result at home I think that was the biggest problem because we were at home first mm. and I think because we lost at home 1-0 and I, don't, I don't really understand how we lost that game because I thought we were the better team at home if, the thing is with Europe if you if you get a goal a away goal it's almost worth double yeah it is yeah because the away goal really yeah it is and I think that at times I think I think he gave up as soon as we didn't get anything at home if we'd won that game 2-0 at home or won that game 1-0 at home I think he would have put a strong side out the fact is what wasn't helping us is that we weren't really ready for Europe at that time we didn't really have the players or we, I mean we were playing players like Danny Pugh and, and yeah. Dean Whitehead and things who, who don't get me wrong I used to love Dean Whitehead I thought Mark, uh, Danny Pugh did a good job when needed but we didn't really have a squad and, and, and after the, the Sunday matches when we, we were playing back in the league we lost every time because we couldn't mm. cope with the you know the congestion yeah the congestion of Europe and, and the league so I could understand why I did it but to be honest at the time with how we were, we were do, people forget how, how good things were under Pulis because we literally came up comfortably stayed up for five years got, in, got an FA Cup final got in Europe and it wasn't until his final season where things started to look a bit dodgy. And But mm. it comes to expect it, isn't it? Look, look at Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. He's been there, what, six years in the Premier League. And I think they, if it wasn't for looking like the season's going to be voided, they would have gone down, I think, Bournemouth. Yeah. So you, you always have them bad seasons. But I can't blame Mark Hughes. I think his first three seasons with Pulis' team, he, he did wonders. It was some of the most mm. outstanding football you saw. But when he had to build his own team, it, struggled. It, it crumbled fast and that's that's how it works at the end of the day so right we're moving to the hard one again this is one that people struggle with and who's the worst ever manager worst manager uh, in my time yeah I probably have to go I, I, I don't want to say it but Nathan Jones Oh, that's no, two two the, marks for Nathan Jones now on the interview. The, the passion was there. He spoke a good game, but didn't get the results in his results-based business. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, his record was terrible. It was a poor record, but if you're talking worst ever manager, yeah, you know, there's only one man for it. Who's that? Chris Kamara. Oh, Chris Kamara. Yeah, that's two votes for Chris Kamara. <laughs> 
he was he was terrible Chris Kamara I remember that because I was I was sort of getting towards I think 10 11 at the time when Kamara came in and I can remember like sitting there going to my dad how's he in charge because he, he just looked clueless on the bench <laughs> he was like shouting at strikers when when they were attacking you're like what are you doing <laughs> yeah I bet can you can you remember much of him Chris Kamara I wasn't alive then when you're alive oh god you definitely can't man <laughs> yeah he, he is the worst probably yeah yeah, without a question. Yeah. I mean, Alan Ball's up there. I think Cottrell's up there as well. Because, you know, after three games, deciding to become assistant manager at Sunderland. There is a fair few. Um, so that's who you're game with then, is it? Chris Kamara? Yeah. That's a good shout. He probably is the worst. Because he wasn't so managing. Um, right, so we're going to the final bit now, because it's been a good interview. Um, where, where do you think Stoke will be in the future? What, have you got high hopes? Have you got low hopes? What do you think? without a question of a doubt I mean the improvement in the players is, is just so noticeable he's turned it around I mean you look at Tyrese Campbell he wasn't that good under Nathan Jones no he wasn't but no. under under O'Neill he's been a brilliant player um, you know you look at players like Tommy Smith yeah he's, he's becoming one of my favourites again not great under Nathan Jones but he's done well under O'Neill McLean you know, there's so many more players. Powell. Um, next season, I'd be happy with top half. I've got a feeling on playoffs. I have. It depends how this season ends and when we start next season. I think I said in my video yesterday. I said as long as this break doesn't take away too much momentum, I think we'll be all right. Um, next season, I've always I've always been I predicted fourth for this season. Yeah. Um, and then first, obviously, the season before. So I'm, I'm, I'm being going to be quite realistic and just say top half. If we can get top half, I'm going to be really happy. Anything more than top half, you know, playoffs, automatics, you know, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. But um, I'd probably be happy with top half, and then maybe in five years, maybe as long as we're back in the Premier League and stable. Well, the thing is, I'll be ringing you again before the start of the season. We'll see if that changes. I think that'll be more positive at the start of next season. It, it all depends on the transfer business. I think as long as we can get, I'd say, all we really need is a right winger. Um, because, well, Tom Ince, I've not been impressed with this season. Um, we need a recognised left-back, uh, not a left-sided centre-back. Well, did what did you feel of the question when um, I think it was again at that meeting when it was at the O'Neill. Yeah, thing, went, yeah. went to Tony School saying what what he's sorting the left back out and he goes what left back situation, which for me completely highlights that he doesn't know what he's doing. It really uh, highlights to me that did when Tony Skulls goes what left back situation. <laughs> I, I was I was there with my granddad and when he said that we just looked at each other just like you know we're playing a left side sense about there yeah that just shows that he doesn't have a clue does he let's let's be honest Steve, Stephen Ward I think was a signing for the sake of it really well I, I think he's not been Stephen Ward though not been too bad he, he's, he's alright but he's done isn't he you can, you can clearly see he's finished as a, as yeah. a top flight player which we, I think we knew anyway but uh, Nathan Jones when he signed him said himself that he was going to be covered I think that I think, to be honest, Nathan Jones was a bad manager, but I think he, he had no experience to draw back from because he'd only had success at Luton. He never yeah. he never had any like hard times to go, oh right, I'll change this. And I think he was just trial and error. Cause, yeah, and I mean we had nine changes some weeks. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was just trial and error. He didn't know what he was doing, and 
and he said he gave a big indication at the start of the season if you if you go back and look at his interview at the start of the season he sat there and said that oh i get a list of players and i pick what i think's viable off that off that which then makes me think if stephen ward was the be best person to pick off that list how bad were the rest of the players yeah i mean i'll look, i'll have to look at that james justin that he'd worked with at Luton. Yeah, yeah, that's there, what I was there, hoping you'd come. There was loads of options that I was wanting in the summer. Rico Henry from Brentford, I've always yeah, he's raved about him. I've raved about him for months. Um, if you look at other players, Alan Brown, he scored against us this year. Oh, good player, yes. Ben Pearson, exactly. I've, I've, I've always I've been saying about him ever since um, Rowett said he wanted him in the holding midfield. I've been watching him closely. He, he's way too good for this league, he is, Ben Pearson. Yeah. And I, and I think to myself, well, if, and then you go, well, we didn't have enough money for him. Well, we could have got him for eight, nine million. Instead of buying Clutus and Ryan Woods, we, there's the money there. Well, and that's, that's I when. Think it, Lucas has been. Clucas has been excellent this Oh, yeah, that's what I question a doubt. Clucas has improved O'Neill. At the start of the season, he was kind. Of, he didn't have the best season last season, but then this season, didn't really expect too much of him. And I think it's defined. Well, I think he's defined everyone's expectations. He's gone above and beyond what anyone thought he could do this season. I think he's even surprised himself. I think I think he's player of the year for me. Hundred percent. Sam Lucas. Who are your Who are your top three players of the season? Um, I'd definitely say Sam Lucas is top without a question of a doubt I'd probably put McLean close second and then I'd probably put um, probably Tyrese Campbell as third yeah that's my top three except I'd swap McLean and Campbell because I think McLean under O'Neill is night and day he's, he's just become a, a proper for me a captain he's been a leader yeah. for me since since um, of course Shawcross's injury I think Joe Allen's not a captain in my opinion, but I, th I think McLean is. And if, if I yeah. was the manager, I would have put McLean as captain because his improvements under O'Neill. But he's not he's not the only one. I mean, Camel's improvements. I think even Tom Ince has been improving. Yeah, yeah. Under O'Neill, I think I think if Ince can get a couple of goals, I think we'll see a different yeah. player again. He, do, he just needs that goal for me, Tom Ince. I think the only problem with that though is very very predictable. Oh, yeah, against. Yeah. He always cuts in and either passes, lays it off to someone, mainly Klukas, um, or has a shot. And I think that's very easy to defend against. Yeah, you know, because you've, yeah. you've got the left back and he's just like, right, don't let him go gold side. You know, don't let him have a shot off. Run him into the corner. But I, I, th um, I think he's connecting well with Campbell, though. That's, that's the thing. I'm yeah. I mean, because they've got a bit of pace they, they're sort of moving us forward in the right ways because I think the problem is with Sam Vokes he's another one that we spent 9 million on who's for me finished I, I just don't see him as yeah. a top flight player anymore I think, I think Burnley got the best deal yeah yeah because I can remember looking on the Burnley page um, after we signed Sam Vokes now if we'd signed Sam Vokes under Rowett I would have had a different opinion because I think yeah. he, he, the way he plays, I think he thought Benny Kafobi was a good knock-on man until he started playing him. And I think he realised quick he'd made a mistake there. But there's another player that you never know could get back in under O'Neill. Would, would you give him another chance next season? I would, yeah. I would, under O'Neill, because the improvements of players like Joe Allen isn't running around like an headless chicken anymore and Ince is looking mm. a bit more composed and Klukas has turned into... A left-footed Lampard, I think that yeah. I, th I think there is a chance for a phobie. I, I wouldn't because he's he's a good player. We know he can finish, and I think yeah, I definitely give him a go. Hundred percent, I give him a go. But part of me thinks he wants to stay at Bristol. Well, if he does, he does. At the end of the day, he doesn't play for Stoke. When he was when he was injured for us, did he ever come in the away end? I know it's very little thing to look at, but he was in the Bristol City away end couple of weeks ago yeah I mean at the end of the day if he does want move then he moves simple as that yeah. if, they, if they put 10 million and buy him they can have him I, I don't blame him because what we did against QPR was disgusting I, I think sometimes just because he had a couple, enemies, he had a couple of bad touches he had a couple of bad touches and then everyone just boos him when he gets brought up he, he didn't suit Rowett and he didn't suit Jones and, and the fact that no. 
if you look at Benny Kirby's entire career, it's always been hit, miss, hit, miss, hit, miss. He, he's he's one of them players that if he, he finds the manager that suits him, he does well. Simple as that. And at the end of the day, he's a Stoke player and he can do whatever he wants at Bristol City. But if he, if he doesn't want to be here, then O'Neill will get rid. But for me, I'd always give him another chance because O'Neill's yeah. getting the best out of these kind of players. And we know with Obi can score goals. And if it, But I don't know if he'll link well with Ince because I think Ince is a big reason why Campbell's doing well because they're linking together well. And I've, but I, I'll, tell what I'd be, I'll tell you what I would be tempted to try next season. Yeah. McLean on the left. Campbell or a Fobay in the middle. And Valinden on the right. Valinden. Valinden when he gets back fit. I do like the look of Valinden, but again, he's similar as Josh Tymon. They both had loan spells, but... I'm not sure on Valinden still. I think he's I think he's right for the bench for me, Valinden. Because he, I haven't seen anything of him yet. I've seen him a couple of times this season. I went to Bolton to watch him a couple of months ago, meaning by far the best player on the pitch, easily. Uh, I know they were the bottom two sides in League One, but he's still the best player on the pitch, so it shows he's kind of championship level. Uh, it would have been more interesting to see how he felt, uh, how he fared up against a top half opponent. Um, but again, since he's come back, I've been impressed with him. Derby, when we were losing four 0 it felt like he was the only player that tried. Yeah, he's got the skill and he's got the pace. There's no question of that. But I'm just worried he's going to be another Ramadan Shabby where there's nothing at the end. He's got the pace, the movement. Because Ramadan Shabby, yeah. he was a fantastic again in the right place. But then he had hold on to the ball too much or make the wrong decision. And I'm just yeah. hoping he isn't one of them. I mean, there's also a youth player that's really impressing me, and I hope we start seeing him next season. And it's Jason Dunwoody. Yes, I think he's a fantastic little player. He is. It's, it's a shame really because I think I think Dunwoody from the looks of him and I think Academy is producing some good players but I think at times we sort of misjudge players we've done it a lot like the Preston striker now Lewis Malt he came through Stoke I can remember him having a couple of appearances under Pulis and I thought yeah. yeah he's a decent little striker he is and we chucked him out the door and look where he is now you know top goal scorer at Preston in the same level and you think to yourself just give him that chance it's not, yeah. not going to hurt. Just give them that chance and see what they can do. And I, I, every time I've seen Doug Woody and watched him on online and stuff, when I'm watching the youth teams play, he's always impressed me. Yeah, I've been impressed with him. Uh, the player I've been most impressed with, though, in the academy, and I know everyone's saying it, but most Sanko. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard so much good stuff about him. I think he. Uh, I, I'd love to see him on the bench last couple of games if we do get, get kicked back in and maybe just give him that opportunity and say no we do want you this, this is how much we want you we're going to get you on the bench and just see what you can yeah. do on an on appearance I mean, or something he linked really well um, with Godfrey yeah you know the other striker in the under 18 just really linked really well with him um, and to be fair Mo Sanko is actually quite small yeah he's, he's patient if you look at him on the pitch but you know he's that sort of striker he's very sure but can get you know under the feet of defenders especially championship defenders that are not the most agile yeah yeah and, and that's what we need to, to do because I think I think O'Neill hit on it on that fan meeting where he said we're looking at pace because we haven't had pace for years really years I mean Shakiri was all right on the right but I've always looked at Shakiri and I see a holding midfielder in him for some reason it, I see more of an attacker. I see more of a right wing because he always, again, like Ince, he loves to cut in. He, he loved to cut in, but he couldn't beat a man. And he had no pace, did he? That was his biggest problem with Shakira. No. As a winger, you, you need pace. It doesn't matter what in what world you're in, unless you're like a poor league like Scotland or like he was in Switzerland. 
I, th I always thought that he was out of position, but I, th I always thought Arnie was as well, and he proved that when he went West Ham, when he became a striker, and I was like, why were we playing him on the wing when we were crying out for a striker? It's frightening, yeah, really. I, I personally don't think he handled the transfer the best. I, I, I've, got, I've got no problem with players moving clubs, but it's when you know you're putting stuff on Insta saying, "Oh, off to London with your fingers up," you know. Yeah, well, that's that's only all over, isn't he? He's, he, every, well, if you look at his history, every club he's left's been in a cloud. It's, it's never been nice. Oh, thanks for everything, Terrell. So, so he was like, he, he did, the, he did the same at West Ham. Yeah, yeah, basically he did it in twenty as well, where he was a hero when he went to, I think, Inter at the time when he won the Champions League. He, he was pretty much going, oh, thanks for that, I'm going to Italy now, and they, 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 they adored him there. And, yeah. it's, and then he went via de Bremen and then fell out there. He, I think it's just his personality, to be honest. I think even in his own head, he's doing nothing wrong. No. Well, his brother's his agent, isn't he? Yeah, which, if, he, if his brother's anything like him, you can understand why he goes in clouds, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so you've got a bit of a positive look at the future, you think, then we, we're going to be okay. Yeah, if you look at, again, as you mentioned, just the youth academy, and you've got we've got some really good young players on our hands. Um, if we've got, you know, we've got players out on loan. You look at Harry Sutar, Bursic. You've got players in the first team, Collins, the Linden, you know, etc. At Campbell, I think the future is really bright. If we can build a squad around these young players, you know, I think Europe isn't as far away as it seems. Yeah, well, we've got we've got hope, haven't we? Right, so before that you go, because it's been a fantastic uh, interview, uh, I just wanted to, say, to tell everybody where you are, your handles and everything, so people can find you. Yeah, um, my main one's my YouTube, that's what I'm most active on, Harvey SCFC. Uh, Twitter is at Harvey SCFC underscore, and that's the same for my Instagram page as well. Right, cheers for that, mate. Fantastic interview. No uh, worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. Right, cheers, mate, for that. Turn up. Cheers. So Harvey there, fantastic little interview. So like I said before, if you want to get involved and you want to be a part of the Potters podcast, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. I really appreciate if you could put a five-star review on and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. We're on them all, basically. Every single one you can think of, we're on. So all you have to do is find us on the platform that you prefer and find us and join us. Like I say, we're always looking for guests. If you want to come on and be a part of the Potters podcast, we're there. Make sure you tell your friends and try to get involved. Thanks for listening, Tura.